Permission to leave the station. For what purpose, Master Chief? To give the Covenant back their bomb. Permission granted. Game over, man! Game over! That's not faster, I just added a fifth G. It's gonna be gigabit. Everybody loves G's. Gigabit. Wait, is, is 5G faster, gonna be faster than Fios? Yes. Really? Yes. Well, I mean, that, Fios, That's impressive. You can already get 500 up, 500 down. Mm-hmm. Right? So... So is that the point where as I walk through the city and this 5G network passes through me, I become part of the network and finally become a pure energy of being. Is this yeah, when humanity involves? Like you're slightly microwaved at all times, so you're gonna have like this warm sensation <laughs> in moments. Yeah. Oh, I'll be like a happy bean burrito. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we may as well start the podcast. Uh, welcome to another edition of Real Time Strategy, our uh, discussion of simulations from board games to video games on the computer uh, to your tabletop where we discuss the many lessons you can learn from games and many of the lessons that you should not not Christ not learn from video games considering the number of people that seem to think that's a legitimate source of uh, experience oh, are you kidding me cannot get your latest save data ah, you are garbage Comcast that's right this is an anti this is an anti advertisement right here on the <laughs> podcast right now. Uh if you live in Norfolk and have Comcast, it is the devil. Um also here's a shout out to Stitcher Stream Radio, which has not answered four to five of my emails and my many tweets to them about being unable to access my account. So if you're listening to this but you prefer Stitcher Stream Radio, I am sorry. Uh, that they completely ignore their customers. But, uh, anyways, our actual topic for today's discussion is a, I'd say, a global favorite, uh, is Halo. We were originally going to make our second podcast uh, about Command & Conquer Generals, because it's incredibly awesome. That one is coming up, it's already recorded, but since Halo 5 just came out, we thought it was uh, more appropriate. But before we get into that topic, uh, let's take a quick break for a shameless advertisement for Simsek from my wife. SimSec brings you the best content on maritime security, technology, history, and international affairs. And, like the United States, SimSec is, and always will be, free. Sign up to become a member today by visiting www.cimsec.org slash about slash membership, which gets you daily emails of our articles and a WordPress account that sends your own writings directly to our editorial staff. However, admin, special projects, software, events, and prizes do cost money. There's a new option to make a voluntary monthly donation at the bottom of every SimSec article. 
No matter how you choose to support us, those who volunteer for the leadership, our amazing content producers, our readers, our listeners, our conference planners and attendees, and our financial benefactors, we are incredibly grateful. Remember, SimSec is more than just a website. We are a vibrant community built on a passion for discovery and discussion. Sign up, write, donate, comment, or even leave five stars on our iTunes page. Join us today. And we're back. And as always, I am here with Lucian and Brett. Uh, and so, Brett, while I go try to find my remote control here to turn down the volume so everyone doesn't hear the soundtrack to Halo in the background, uh, why don't you introduce yourself and then, Lucian, go ahead. Hi, so this is Brett. Um, I am, uh, this is my third episode with the team. And uh, as some of you regular listeners know, I am regular. <laughs> yeah, the regular second, listeners. As you second listeners know. Yeah, uh, as you guys know, I you know I work in the defense area on defense consulting issues regarding uh, specific systems and platforms. And uh, yeah, love uh, like everyone else, love Halo. We'll get into. Uh, I think I've been playing it since you know elementary school, long, 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 long time. So. Um, looking forward to it, and as always, what I say does not represent any of, any of the organizations that I've ever been involved with. And uh, as a reminder to everybody, I'm, we are playing Halo, of course, as we do this, except for Brett, who's sitting at his kitchen table, just hanging out with us. Uh, Drinking course, my latte. Lu- yeah, Lucian and I are not playing together because Comcast, uh, again, is just uh, derelicting its duties. Uh, but anyways, uh, Lucian, introduce yourself, please. I'm Lucian Gothier, enlisted sailor. Uh, this as well as my hat trick appearance on the podcast. Uh, so it's a pleasure to be here as always. Uh, I've been playing Halo uh, since college. So Brett really just made me feel old. Um, <laughs> but I started playing when I was in college and he was in elementary school. But yes, I played every Halo except for ODST and the silly RTS that they came out with based on the Halo narrative, um, read most of the books, uh, watched all the movies, even a lot of the fan fiction, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of the narrative that they've created, and uh, this is the game that brought me back into playing video games. Um, I was basically just a PC gamer throughout high school, um, and then uh, Halo came out, my buddies had it, we system linked, and it was all downhill from there, so I've been a Xbox fanboy essentially because of the Halo uh, series. Well, you know what? When when this whole little th- uh, thing started, I think I started playing it back in uh, in high school. So I guess I'll I'll be the midpoint between you two gents. Um, but what I remember the most is the fact that for the first time, it gave. So when Halo starts out, you get this vibe that you're you know part of a super power military powerful military industrial complex, uh, but you still get your ass handed to you. And I think that was the first time, you know, hey, if you played something like Castle Wolfenstein, you're all by yourself. So, you're, you know, it's the typical, you know, action hero, man alone kind of narrative. And if you play something like Command and Conquer Red Alert, you know, you've got a team, you're building an entire army. This was the first time, you know, I'm trying to save Marines and they're getting killed. And I've got this mysterious group that is way more powerful than I am. So for the first time, I did have that kind of cool sense of b- 
being outnumbered in a kind of realistic way because you still have this team that you're playing with and you've got tanks and you've got you know jeeps and you're saving people and you've got assets in the area and stuff flying around but it still doesn't seem it doesn't seem to to help a lot so i thought that was pretty unique and that's changed of course as as the story's moved on but i thought that was kind of lightning in the bottle that they caught at the beginning i don't know what do you guys think uh totally totally agree it's it's interesting because kind of at the micro level you're you're a super soldier. I mean, you're 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 a Spartan, which is the which is kind of the humanity USNC's kind of greatest tactical asset. But at the macro level, I mean, you know, you're when when you start off. So we're talking Halo One. I mean, you're 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 on one ship, which which isn't even. I think it's a it's a frigate or is it a cruiser? I mean, it's it's uh, not a. It's like a cruiser. Yeah. Yeah, cruiser. It's not like a dreadnought. So. Right. I mean, and you, and that thing goes down, and so then all of a sudden you're, I mean, you're you're, you're trapped with, uh, you know, with a bunch of guys. I mean, your organization's completely just, you know, severe. So it's uh, so it's interesting because it's this balance between, okay, you know, how much of a difference, and this is what a lot of the, you know, some of the narrative revolves around, like how much of a difference can one guy make, and and uh, you know, Matt was you know definitely right. I mean, you are thrown kind of solo a lot. And so it, like, when there are those, you know, opportunities in games when you're fighting alongside your Marines or whatever, uh, I mean, you, you, it just like, it's like, uh, you know, for me, I was always like, oh, finally, you know, like the cavalry's here, even though it's like just 10, you know, it's like a squad, but I mean. And they, yeah, and it's never really, you're the cavalry. You're like, oh, thank God, someone to fight with. And then, you know, some unit will show up that starts wiping everything out and you're like, oh, God, we suck. You know, like, I'm a super soldier, and I can't, like, I can barely, barely pull this thing off. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, what I think what caught my attention with Halo 1 was just the, the unknown about it. There was a lot of mystery oh, yeah. in the first Halo. Um, you know, because essentially the way the narrative opens up, uh, the Pillar of Autumn was the name of the ship. The Pillar of Autumn jumped into this system blindly because of the only strategic guidance commanders were given <clears throat> of their ships were to protect Earth at all costs by doing a blind, randomized jump into other systems and not to lead the enemies, the Covenant, to Earth. So they make the random jump, they open up, and all of a sudden there's this giant ring orbiting this this uh, planet and even even the, the the protagonist, the character you play as, the Master Chief, you were cryogenically frozen essentially. You were just sleeping for some reason. Um, and well, they you, don't need you yet. You know, they have space. You. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you just know that you're this the the one lone super soldier that's been both biologically and physically augmented with uh, um, Mjolnir armor. And you are at this ring that your enemies are calling a sacred relic. And then there's this sacred journey, and you're, you're running through this, 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 this ring because you crash land. You have to abandon ship. And then, yeah, the mysterious enemy, the flood, comes about. And you the, the, it, it totally couldn't have been on purpose, but I, I assume it was because of bandwidth and data limits on uh, game design in the first Xbox. There was no audible... Um, um, voices from the elites and even from the grunts, the, the the very species that you fight. So there's a lot of mystery in there that you just wanted to know more about. You were drawn into it. 
Um, and and but I don't think Bungie necessarily gets enough credit for how well they balance this unknown, um, uh, ele- these unknown elements into their first game. So. You know, yeah, uh, I mean, oh, it's uh, so I mean, definitely spot on. I mean, that, I totally agree with that because you know, because it starts off you're in this unknown, you're like, you know, what the hell, you know, my my ships, it's you know, we're getting our asses kicked. You know, you land, you start, you start, you know, giving it, you know, you're you're, you're kind of clinging on while trying to figure it out. And then all of a sudden, the you know this this flood factor, you know this flood adversary, you know pops out of nowhere, and that's that's one of the coolest missions is when you're discovering the flood, you're watching the the the, the helmet uh, camera footage, and so yeah, I mean it's like I remember when playing it, it's like you know we don't know what we're getting into, you know you have I mean and you're you're completely isolated from the rest of humanity, so you don't have I mean so like I mean but you still have that vague sense of Oh, I'm here with Marines. I've got equipment. People yeah. are airdropping me stuff. So but the chain of command is completely, you know, it's completely oh, yeah, fucked yeah. up because you know, yeah. I mean, you lose Captain Keys, and then so you lost Keys, and I mean, and who's your commanding officer? Just right, know, and it's yeah. it's very Im- ambiguous. So I mean, it's uh, it's uh, you know, it's really neat. I mean, learning that, and then the whole the whole AI factor, like Cortana, you know, having a AI sidekick kind of embedded with you. Right. You know, it's uh, you know, it's really interesting, and how and Bungie did a really excellent job in kind of defo- uh, fostering that relationship and building that relationship, you know, throughout the throughout the series. So, you know, absolutely. it's 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 interesting um, that you know they take like you guys are talking about the mystery, but eventually it's kind of replaced. So at the beginning, the the music kind of indicates mystery and. You've the like the whole it, it has a certain it exudes that to it like you don't know what's going on and as time goes on and you figure out who the the covenant are and you figure out who the forerunners are you that that mystery goes away and even the music changes you know it goes it goes from mysterious music to kind of more rocking kicking music where you're just punching people in the face throwing them off cliffs kind of stuff to the more epic almost mass effecty kind of music and even uh, in in uh, number five and number four, and and a big part of that I think too is the nature of some of the narrative changes. So it goes from mystery to at least in the story, uh, you know a lot of people are familiar with the part of the story that that is uh, that's all about the the covenant, which is pretty morally amb- unambiguous. Hey, prevent humanity from being genocided. Uh, to the part kind of where Master Chief comes from, which is a lot of morally ambiguous uh, medical experiments on children so that they can establish order in these far-flung colonies. And it turns out that the entire project that Master Chief is part of, you know, okay, it saves humanity, and you're like, all right, awesome, thumbs up, good work, us. Oh, wait, but this is almost a... Um, you know, this is this is almost like Nazi level medical experimentation on kid uh, on it's I mean it is it's medical experimentation on kidnapped children, um, and uh, you know that doesn't always come out in the game, but it does sometimes when they add in uh, Doctor uh, what's her Halsey. name, uh, Doctor Halsey, and she starts explaining it. It kind of blows you away. You're like, whoa, this went from sort of a fun mysterious adventure game. To now, there are some serious ethical questions. Like not even questions. It's I, I say morally uh, ambiguous. It's not morally ambiguous. What they've done is completely wrong. Right. 
Right, and uh, in, in, in Halo 4, they go ahead, it opens up <clears throat> with Halsey being interrogated by who you assume is an, a member of the Office of Naval Intelligence, Oni. Um, yeah, what, what, what's amazing to me in the narrative is that, you, you know, the, the expansion of humanity has taken a few hundred years after the invention of uh, faster-than-light travel. Um, and with that, it's all the it's, – it's galactic politics. It's humanity who's still isolated in the narrative – hasn't discovered any other species, and it's infighting. Infighting develops, um, and a, a, a rather vicious insurgency develops between the outer colonies and the, the sort of, I'm using the wrong terminology here, but the core worlds. Um, and then an, an, an <laughs> and Coruscant, and Coruscant yeah. is incredibly disturbed by these developments. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, then an existential threat appears, and the uh, the UNSC, the United Nations Space Command, I think I'm getting the acronym right. Yeah. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, now we have this existential threat. So the the infighting amongst humanity subsides. But as as you alluded to, Matt, the reason why the Spartan twos, which is uh, what 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 the the Master Chief and the other people like him are part of, children were kidnapped from uh from their from their homes. Replaced with flash clones that all immediately died because it's a new capability, and were forced into uh, they were impressed into service. The first thing that happens is uh, Master Chief, or I'm sorry, Chief Petty Officer Menendez goes in and tells them, "You are now enlisted in the UNSC, and you will be serving. You will obey every one of my orders." And as children, they're completely raised to be soldiers. Half of them die once they get to the augmentation process on puberty, and then. Um, they're actually given their armor, and their first mission is to take out the leader of the rebellion. Um, so yeah, Halsey created. You know, she she's a she's a genius. Uh, she's she's pretty much the smartest, uh, most gifted human in history. Uh, and Cortana, the AI, is modeled after her brain, and that was her baby. That that was her project, Project Orion, which then became the Spartan program, which is where the Master Chief and all the Spartans came from. Um, but yeah, when when when. Uh, Humanity's faced with an existential threat, which is the covenant. Uh, the the all the politics subside. You fight this, and then as the as we begin to defeat the covenant and their entire um, um, as the existential so, threat disappears. Yeah, their house of cards that they're built on their their inner politics, their inner yeah. politics starts to fold. Um, humanity's politics start to come back into play with the outer colonies and the inner colonies. And then, okay, let's now introduce the Forerunners, which goes ahead and adds millions of years of history. Yeah. And this is kind of like where I stop caring about the narrative so much. I, I just kind of starts going off the rails. Is that humanity's actually been a species that's been intergalactic for, for a long time. And we were fighting the Forerunners. We were fighting the Flood before. Forerunners didn't like us. And so as a punishment, they de-evolved us. <laughs> and he erased our history, and we're just now rediscovering all this stuff. So it gets a little hinky, I think, with the with the narrative and stuff. But um, yeah, I kind of. Well, I just think you know thought. what I think. I think it's fun. I I, I mean, everybody kind of suspected at the beginning of the game. Uh, you have this weird little dude flying around the Halo facility, and he keeps making weird references to humanity. And you're like, wait, are we like, are we the forerunners? Did, yeah, like, did we? Did we build this thing? Um, and it turns out, you know, we didn't. Um, but but it still, it kind of alludes from the very beginning to this weird sort of galactic history that we never took part of, which is kind of unique. 
Um, you, you know, I think there's one other game. Maybe it's Homeworld. Uh, I've never played it, but it's it, it's some game where humanity thinks it's discovered faster than light drive for the first time. Does this experiment with this crazy colony ship? It comes back to planet Earth, and planet Earth has been absolutely just glassed. And it turns out, because humanity doesn't remember it, because it's, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago, that there was, it lost a war, and there was some treaty that said it would never develop faster than light drive again. Um, and so now, all of a sudden, you're in this war with this enemy that you never knew that you had, and that kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, there was all these, always hints of this, but... You know, kind of get away from the plot. I mean, a lot of the people I, that are listening to this, I'm sure, you know, they've played Halo. Like, they get it. What I what I kind of like, and maybe some people left, is I really like how the science fiction part still kind of has a lot of that, you know, plausibility in it. They they talk about you know medical augmentation. Well, that's stuff that we're talking about now. We're talking about gene therapy. Um, we're talking about adding. Uh, sort of bionic enhancements to people. I mean, we're doing it now. Um, yeah. No, go but, ahead. So, like, and what what uh, I mean, what Lucia uh, mentioned, and it's it's a key part of the in the story that's not in the games. So, like this, you know, pre you know pre Covenant discovery, you know, counterinsurgency kind of guerrilla war. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, it's a huge, I mean, it's it's totally believable. And it's one thing that you really appreciate is, you know, like, it's not like every Marine in the game is, you know, Master Chief, just a complete baller badass. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, it's still like, I mean, what's the time frame of the game? Is it like 2150 or, or, or something? Or? 2535, I think, is the current Halo 20. 5. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's uh, but yeah, I mean, like uh, the most of the you know most of the guys and most of the force structure, it's still something that's you know completely plausible. I mean, yeah, you have you know better armor or you know better guns, but I mean, a lot of the mechanics remain the same, which makes it believable. It's not like you have a bunch of guys with jetpacks flying around doing stuff that you. Well, can't we do eventually get jetpacks. Eventually, yeah, but um, there are no jetpacks in in five, which is irritating yeah. the hell out of me. I'm always used to being able to do a double jump. <laughs> And now I just jump like a normal person uh, and have to climb, crawl onto things. I'm oh. a super soldier. I don't need to crawl onto things. Get out of my but, face. But, but, but in, in terms of military prowess, what I find interesting, especially against the Covenant, is ship to ship. When we first encounter the Covenant, we don't have the, the, the technology to take on Covenant warships. We always would lose ship-to-ship engagements unless we employed really brilliant, uh, I don't want to call it asymmetrical, but unorthodox tactics. Um, but ex- but on the ground, soldier-to-soldier, uh, soldier, so to speak, even, even the regular Marines could hold their own um, against the Covenant. So it was, we, would, we would always lose the space battles, and some of the books detail this. We always lose the space battles, but as soon as they would try to invade our planets... We'd be able to hold our own, and especially with the Spartans. You know, the only the only species of the Covenant that could were really a challenge to the Spartans were the more senior and experienced elites, and then when you get into the uh, the hunters, those are the only species that really could uh, challenge the, the the Spartans. So, on a tactical level, uh, or a strategic level, sorry, the strategic level, strategically, 
the, the sheer numbers and technological prowess of the Covenant we could not contend with. So that's why they had the, I can't remember the name of the Doctrine, but the, 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 they, they named the Doctrine where you had to make the random jumps. That was the only strategy we had to, to, to defend ourselves against the Covenant. But then once we get tactical, um, human weaponry, which was basically just still gunpowder, you know, regular guns and stuff like that, um, we could still hold our own against uh, enemies that were using plasma weapons. Um, so that's you know the, the uneven advancement of technology, which seems a lot more honest than the other science fiction narratives. Um, they actually developed something that's again plausible strategies and plausible tactics to employ against uh, an unknown enemy. Well, like one of the things that I thought was unique, and maybe I didn't notice in other shooters, but I don't, I don't think it was available, was it does kind of reward you for paying attention to the details because if you use a plasma weapon. Um, you know, it, it's better against a shield, and uh-huh. then the ballistics are better against things without shields, obviously, the meat. So you'd right. run into a place, and you'd deploy, you know, plasma weapon against a shielded enemy, and then as soon as the shield goes down, you'd switch, and you'd start hitting him with bullets. And, you know, if you weren't paying too close attention, you kind of didn't realize that that was a thing, but the game sort of rewards you, you know, you're talking about that tech tactical prowess, but it rewards you for paying attention, and it also kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, it makes sense that these things would work better against these different kinds of... And, and it sort of, you know, obviously there's no plasma weapons in the world, but we know certain weapons work better against certain things. You know, armor-piercing rounds or work better against uh, armor, and then, you know, HEPD works better against soft targets... So that's kind of almost a version of that. Oh, we lost Brett. Where'd he go? I see him. Oh, you still see him? Yeah. Oh, wait, now he's gone. All right, perfect. All right, welcome back. (laughs) Anyways. Keep going. You're talking about soft targets. Yeah, no, I was just talking about how uh, Halo kind of rewards you for using different weapons against different kinds of enemies because they have different kinds of advantages and just... You know, that's, that's sort of like the real world. You wouldn't use armor-piercing rounds on everything. You're like, put armor-piercing rounds, pierce armor, they're the best. You're like, well, no, that's not... They're designed for a purpose. You know, it's a little different than something like, say, Doom, where it says, nope, uh, this big gun, the bigger the gun is, it's just better against everything, which is not the case in, in reality. So, solution. I have a question for you. In in this, in the beginning of the second game, we see this. You know, it's, it's the Covenant invasion of Earth, and it's interesting because we have all of these like, um, like space stations with uh with with huge guns on them that apparently it's like one shot can wipe out, you know, a Covenant ship. It's it's almost like our it's almost kind of like our Magno uh Magno line, you know, that the French uh. So did they? Did the books ever talk about like more just why the hell the covenant the covenant were able to just like get through that like like it was nothing? Well, I mean, sure, man, ha- blows up a ship, but mm-hmm. didn't they hack it? It was like something where they landed on one, or there was some kind of crazy thing where they were able to disrupt the actual network that ran the things. Uh, I don't recall the books addressing it, but in the game itself. Uh, the Covenant started sending boarding teams yeah. on board and just blowing them up from the inside. Um, and again, the, the Covenant fleet was... They didn't send their main fleet in. 
um, initially. They, they sent in a smaller fleet with, with boarding teams to go ahead and take over the different, the various Mac guns. And the way that the, uh, the, the defenses were set up was you just needed basically, because you got to think, these space stations, you know, are in orbit. That's the one thing that, uh, uh, most narratives are just getting around to now is that space combat's three dimensional. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the the conventional thinking for it is it's kind of like surface warfare in the Navy. You know, you, you yeah. you're on a plane and your your forces engage in basically two dimensions. You know, uh, there's there's not really three there. So when you're talking about invasion in space, you can come from the bottom, from the top, from the left or the right. Uh, so for the Covenant, all they had to do was really just open up a hole in in the in the in the the defenses that we had around Earth. And then all those other space stations, they didn't really—they were kind of fixed point. They didn't really maneuver. You couldn't really aim them too much left, too much right, too much up, too much down. Um, so all you had to do is open up a hole, and you you go through the hole there to get to Earth, which is essentially what they did. Um, but yeah, those those Mac guns, which is something the Navy's developing right now with the uh, <laughs> the with the rail guns, essentially. Um, yeah, is, is that what the Mac guns were? Were those were those just just Mag giant rail guns? Yep. Yeah, they're oh, just really? that's people. awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it's very plausible technology. Except that said, those Mac guns are said to be firing. I think they said it was three ton slugs. So, right. so like Volkswagen, we're firing, we're firing things like that big. Right, but we're, we're firing. We're, we're firing all the Volkswagens that got recalled because of the illegal <laughs> yeah. uh, software on board. So, so apparently, <laughs> like during the Star Wars program, there was a sub Star Wars program called. Checkmate and Maxwell Laboratories, they were the lead guys on it. And uh-huh. they it was actually about like putting rail guns on satellites. Yeah. So, so it is you know, it's it's funny how I mean obviously there's it didn't happen and a ton of technical that challenge, we but, know of. Yeah, I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, even in the game, um, or in the narrative, uh, because that's the main canon on all of UNSC that's that's the UNSC's main cannon on all of their ships, even on uh, the, oh gosh, the, the name's escaping me right now, oh, the Infinity, the the, the five, or it was a three-kilometer-long super ship that we now built. Um, and it's these Mac cannons, um, and that's the only thing that we could use that could eventually punch through the energy shielding and even the armor of uh, the Covenant ships. And uh, in the game, they, or in the books, they talk about how... <clears throat> The actual rails themselves, from the, the the heat and the friction generated by uh, accelerating metal to hypersonic speeds, uh, degrades the metal quickly, and that's one of the biggest limiting factors we have now in actually developing that technology. Um, and of course, as well, the the, the 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 sheer electricity that we need to generate uh, to maintain um, or to create the magnetic fields necessary. Uh, the the pillar of autumn was uh, one of the few ships that was actually outfitted with a, a capability that recaptured uh, the energy from the railgun to put right back into the capacitors to fire again. So it was actually able to fire three salvos in quick succession, whereas prior to that there was this long recharge period for the other capital ships. Um, so it's, yeah. The, that, that, the, the, so it was recaptured. That's interesting how you mentioned... It was recapturing energy. And Matt, we're probably getting into nerd territory. No, here. that's why but, this uh, podcast exists. So, like, apparently with railguns, you know, like, they're, like, 56% in terms of, like, energy efficient. Like, they dump, there's 
just a sig- and it's same with lasers. Like, a well, what does that even of- what does that even mean? They're fifty. Like, like so, so, mean, so say I would plug my railgun into this outlet right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I need let's let's say I need uh, I need like sixty four. You know, I, I need like 64 megajoules or whatever, or, or, or how many watts or whatever. So I need how many watts? Only, so even though I take, you know, that full amount of wattage and that full amount of energy, the real gun, it, it, because of, because of its design, it, it like, uh, it only uses like half of it. But it needs, but, and so it literally takes the rest and it's so just, it just skims uh, the top. You exactly. Need, you need the and, first fifty percent just to get. Okay, I got it. And, and what happens is with these energy inefficiencies, and one of the you know challenges to like building, putting these kind of stuffs on DDG fifty ones right now is when you have like a railgun at fifty percent efficiency or a laser at thirty percent efficiency, you have to all of a sudden your requirements for cooling and it's just amplified. And so it's like uh, so it, it's it's interesting how it's an efficiency problem. And I, I never that's. Uh, so when you said like recapturing energy, that's uh, that's that's really cool. I mean, uh, well, what do they have those in cars now? Where some of the race cars, if you if you brake, and I think these commercial vehicles, well, uh, if you brake, it like captures the energy somehow, right. and you can redeploy it. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, what, what is that thing called? Damn. Um, oh, they're they're a wheel. I sound I sound stupid here. I should know what this is. I watched Top Gear. Damn it. But what what is this thing called? But the you're not talking about a flywheel, are you? Flywheel, yeah. yeah. So, so flywheels used to be like the like the main way how we thought we would power power um, like rail guns and electric weapons. But like the shift now has been towards and I like pulse forming networks. And the way you got to think about like a pulse forming network is like an energy magazine. Although anybody here that's an engineer will you know. Do you will, mean a will, battery? It's not a battery. So it's it's actually a capacitor. A capacitor. Yeah. Aha! Look and other me. people shoot me. Other people chase me when I say battery and capacitor are practically the same thing. But basically, what a pulse forming network is is it's um and this is what so you have your so you have your power source. So like on a DDG fifty one, you know that's your that's your electric generator or or whatever. So that so the pulse forming network, it's like this giant capacitor. I mean, it's what it really is is it's a line of just lots of capacitors. So what happens is you you charge them up. And then when you want to shoot the railgun or shoot the laser or whatever, you, it's um, the way the, the the mechanics behind the how the PFN distributes its energy, it basically just unleashes it all in like a giant pulse. That's like a pulse forming. That's the name, and that that's what gives you the the energy um, to shoot. Right. So it's some some people call it an energy magazine because you can't shoot if your pulse forming network's you know empty or whatever. So it's 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 neat how like you know Lucian's describing like you know in Halo, I mean they're using Mac cannons. I mean on on our ships were we using lasers or is it still just purely kinetic stuff? No, we. I mean the Ponce out in the Gulf has a what in the in the game. Oh, um, you know I don't know. I, there's not. I've never paid attention enough to the weapons that are being used to know whether or not we're we're using lasers or not. But I think I'm only I think aware are. of the the Spartan laser. Which okay. is tactically carried, super powerful pulse laser, um, is the only one employed by humanity that I'm aware of. Otherwise, shipboard weaponry is all missiles 
and metal slugs traveling at hyper velocities and nukes. Well, you know what? Uh, it's it's you know it's interesting you mentioned that because you'd think in a science fiction game you would have uh, a bunch of laser weapons, but everything that humanity has minus the Spartan laser, it's all you know it's all ballistics. Then yeah. everything. That, well, I guess the I I guess the uh, uh, the Forerunner guys, what are their names again? I'm too oh, busy Sentinels? killing them. Not the Sentinels, their race's name. They're weird, they're a weird computer race now or whatever. Oh, well, no, the, uh, the, the Knights. Yeah, um, yeah. the, not the Ascendant, but, yeah, the, the Forerunner, uh, the Forerunner guys is that their stuff's all energy-based. So it's it all, like, light guns and stuff. So I guess they have lasers, but all the Covenant stuff was, like, always plasma. It's all these right. plasma-based weapons, yep. which is really awful, superheated, you know. Right. So, uh, yeah. Right, but up until up until this point, nobody really did use lasers. It's right. kind of something I hadn't thought about. No, it's 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 interesting. And then, uh, I mean, it, it's it seems like what I'm trying to think of the weapons. I mean, it's mostly. I mean, uh, I mean, our missile, missiles don't seem like they're they're a huge part. I mean, obviously you have a few on the Hornets, but it's not like a, a huge thing. It, I mean, it's almost like a move towards gun. I mean, gunpowder, which which right. isn't what you would expect. Right. Um. Yeah. The the a lot of them they have point defense missiles, uh, and then they have offensive missiles. Um. And then the the Infinity also has seventy millimeter. Uh, point defense cannons. So they're still using seventy millimeter rounds, which is well. They've got all these damn boarding parties. You know, it's yeah. kind of necessary. Yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah. It, in terms of the the weaponry that the the forerunners are using in Halo Four, you know, the the the, the super weapon in Halo Four, quote unquote, was uh, the composer. And what the composer was is, you know, you got the didact. And the interesting thing about the forerunners is they would genetically modify and mutate themselves to specify or to to specialize in different fields. So the didact, which I don't get the name exactly, but the erdidact, he was their military genius, and so he mutated himself into that. And he hated humanity. He's the one that fought the war against humanity. So what the composer was is now they're fighting the covenant, and the the you know the the beauty of being uh, the flood is that you create your own army by destroying your enemy. You turn your, your, your enemy into your soldiers by infesting them and mutating them, and now you're a flood like them, right? Using, the term, using the term your loosely, yes. as they discovered. <laughs> um, so what, what, the, what the didact wanted to do was turn his enemy, the people he hated, humanity, into soldiers for the, for the forerunners to fight the flood. And so it's they kind of go they take the idea of memes uh, to the nth degree and they create this tool this weapon that takes uh, um, consciousness essentially and makes it I, I don't know if digital is the right term because they're probably beyond digital this time but turns the consciousness of an individual into this 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 file and that file can then be inputted into a, 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 a machine, so to speak, whatever the Forerunners really have. I don't know if it's really a machine, but these machines, and those machines will go fight the battle for you, and if they're defeated by the, by the flood, well, it's not biological. It can't be turned into flood itself. So that's, that was the whole, 
narrative there in Halo 4, and it's interesting that they took the idea of a meme and said, well, human beings are a meme, the consciousness is a meme, and it can be transferred. Exactly. So we're going to fight other... wars with, like, the Doge. Yeah. And it's too, too, too early, too late to explore the world, too yeah. early to explore, uh, explore the universe, just in time to defeat the flood with dank <laughs> memes on the internet. Of course. If well, only these uh, little, if only these little forerunner dogs would just say "Wow, wow, wow" as they ran around. <laughs> the, the one. Oh weird shit! Thing. What was that? I'm sorry. I just got hit by a black hole out of nowhere. Oh, you're fighting. Uh, you're fighting the. I'm trying to get. So now there's this weird thing into this gateway where apparently I can become part of some network spanning or sorry, galaxy spanning network. Um. And. Uh, oh, and the I just. Yeah, the mantle. Yeah, the mantle. And uh, I was coming up over Ridge, and apparently some of these guys can just deploy, like, little baby black hole things. As a, Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, you're fighting a... Is it Guardian? Is that his name? I don't know why I guess the Warden, thing. but there's a crap the ton of them now. Yeah. I didn't realize there were, like, eight of them in, in here. Oh, well. Anyways, See, back to the actual... Go ahead. Yeah, and that that's the thing about Halo 5 is, spoiler alert, the whole thing is about how AIs will or can rebel against humanity because they know better. They want to protect humanity. Um, but the, you know, I was talking with uh, Claude Berbe earlier this week. Shout out to him, I guess. Um, to where he And this new a- excellent book. Yeah, hey, if you're listening to this yeah. podcast uh, and you like adventure stories and the military, I would recommend pre-ordering Siren Song, spelled with Y, by Claude Berbe, second in the Connor Stark series. All right, Claude, there you go. <laughs> but you know, he asked me, "Has there ever been a science fiction narrative to where uh, the AIs ever did anything good for humanity?" And my response was, "Well, Halo now has a narrative to where the AIs made up their own mind. Who do they support? What side do they support?" And essentially, it's a question of do they want to live forever or not. So, morality- the AIs are like, "Duh." Wait, <laughs> are we, the, the, yeah. For Claude's, for um, in response to Claude's question, I'm trying to think: Has there been yeah. like in science fiction an AI that? Hasn't like you know screwed up. Well, and I'm thinking. Right. I mean, I'm thinking of you know. I think of Cortana and Halo. I mean, not Cortana. I mean, I think of Arthur Halo, C. and then Clark. I think of like remember Athena and the and the P.W. Singer's book that he just right. the yeah, red, but you know that's the, not really the combat AI. system that, like that just screws system. up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's so there is there is the AI. Hey, well, that's a robot though, because robots. Okay, so there's a difference. AIs often screw up and become awful and try to kill us all. But robots, which are, let, let's specify, AIs that live inside robots often seem to make really good decisions. Because I was thinking of Arthur C. Clarke's series about the robot detectives. I can't remember the, the name the name of it for the life oh, of I me. Oh, iRobot? Nah, not I, maybe it is iRobot. Yeah, it is iRobot. The movie... The movie iRobot is nothing like the book iRobot, right? Right. iRobot is the one where it's the detective from Earth, and he's got the... It's Will Smith. No. No. (laughs) The book, damn you. The Fresh Prince. Yeah, the Fresh Prince. (laughs) Uh, I wish I I could could drop a galactic version of this song on demand, but I can't, so I'm sorry. (laughs) But uh, <clears throat> oh, I mean, up to uh, no good. Oh, in the well, lunar neighborhood. That uh, yeah, and uh, AI that are within a corporeal form, so to speak, a, a human-looking form, 
they generally seem to fall short of uh, becoming tyrants, but AIs that... Well, even war machines like the Terminator learn how to love. Yeah. Yeah. But, you uh, know, well, normal AIs are always trying to kill us. So, well, the AI, the, the, the Covenant created an AI to help defend them against the Flood. Um, and it was, oh, what was the name of it? Something Bias. Uh, Medicent Bias? Or I'm, I'm, I'm butchering the name. Yeah, these um, are some weird names for things. I kind of dig them. They're, they're clever names. They're, it's a much better, a similar naming convention that George Lucas used to name various planets in the Star Wars galaxy and species, but they're they're more clever than what he was. You know, by calling a planet Geonosis, where there's a secret army being built. Yeah, secret knowledge in Greek. What? Not that clever, turns out. But when you start calling people like Medicine Bias and the Composer and the Didacts, you know, these self-taught, you know, these clever names for for essentially what people are. It's kind of like literal translations. You know, kind of like when you when you start hearing what what Japanese words translate over and Chinese words translate over into English, it's kind of like that. Um, but yeah, so the 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 the, the, the forerunners uh, built this AI to help defend them, and the uh, Grave Mind, which is what the flood, which is the intelligence that behind the flood, the flood develops into once it re- achieves a certain biomass. Um, the, the two started communing, and the 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 AI created by the Forerunners was seduced by the Grave Mind, and that's why the the Forerunners ultimately had to fire the Halo Rings and lost out to the Flood. So it's interesting that the you know every other AI narrative that I'm aware of paints AIs as um, having made up their minds essentially that they are going to be evil from the human perspective or from the the non AI perspective. Whereas in Halo, they paint AIs as being able to make up their own. They have free will. They can make decisions, and they can be right or wrong or up and down or left and right. It's not black and white. And even here, in the latest incarnation of Halo, uh, it's not completely... I'm not going to give it all away, but it's not completely black and white what the AIs do. So, you know, there's, there's... Who knows? Maybe we're running into an AI civil war, so to speak, in the Halo narrative. So... Is, is Legion for Mass Effect an AI? Uh, yes. yes, all of Mass Effect is slowly converging on Halo right now. <laughs> well, well, it, it Happy end seven day. Yeah, yeah. Well, Legion Legion was part of a distributed intelligence, so to speak. Okay. It wasn't. You now they because yeah they it's very interesting what we're gonna I guess we're gonna digress into into Mass Effect here, but but yeah, that was very interesting that it was a distributed intelligence. That um, individuals were very unintelligent, but as they reached a critical mass of numbers of individuals, the intelligence increased exponentially. Um, but Legion was a single entity with a number of um, intelligences. I think uh, uh, north of 1024, or you know, a megabyte essentially. The the or yeah, anyway, um, north of that, which gave it a higher level of intelligence than the other individuals had. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't even know if we're talking about strategy anymore. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely not. I think. Oh crap. Well, okay, so the so Warren's chasing me. The the way the way that uh, strategically how the flood beat the forerunners. Well, both tactically and strategically, the forerunners were not equipped to defeat the flood. Neither were the Covenant. In playing the game. Uh, Covenant weaponry 
was almost completely ineffective against the Flood. The only real weapons that were effective against the Flood in any of the Halos were the... Human uh, shotguns. Uh, the <laughs> shotguns, yep. Flamethrowers. And the, and, the, um, and the machine guns, either the SMG, yeah. once that came about, or the assault rifle were the only weapons that were truly effective against the Flood in any of the games. Well, what's uh, interesting with the Flood is there, well, that there's goes kind back of a challenge to- because... Once yeah. they hijack a body, you know, they have, you know, as they're through just the, how it, they transform the body of this, like, extra just, like, muscle and fat that acts as, right. like, bullet armor. And so it's, like, so you mentioned the SMG. And so I actually, like, whenever I had to shoot, like, the big guys, I would always go for the shotgun because it seemed like, because remember in one, you'd, like, shoot a guy with the, you know, you'd shoot him with, like, you know, 30 rounds, 40 rounds of the, yeah. the assault rifle. He lay down, and then he gets back up. And it's like, right. come on, when are you actually dead? I mean, it's right. like, um, and so it, it's it's interesting, like, how even among just one enemy, you know, you, you still have to, you know, balance out your, um, your, your weapons. Right. But, that, you know, that goes back to that other conversation about what weapons are appropriate to whom. And, uh, you know, as I was playing Halo 5 last night, uh, I kind of started thinking... The best weapons to kill each side ultimately are, and you never really have to fight humanity so much. So I guess the flood would be the stand-in because you know they're made of meat and don't have shields. But the the best weapons to kill the forerunners are forerunner weapons. The best weapons to kill the covenant are covenant weapons, and the best weapons to kill you know things that have been culled out of human flesh are the human weapons and it sort of shows how each side in warring maybe inside of itself uh or thinking of war through its own concept and i know i'm probably way overthinking this but no, no it know. makes total sense i mean like right now if humanity ex- uh, 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 encountered an alien species right now biologically we'd know nothing about them shooting them in the chest you know might it's be completely ineffective because the thing's brain might be in its ass you don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Well, right? You don't even know where its ass is. <laughs> yeah, right. You literally you do entire, not know. You, you literally got a nuke entire site from a hole in the ground. Yeah, it's the only way to be sure. You don't you know, know its so, ass from a hole in the ground. So, of course, any species is going to be the best at killing itself originally. You know? Mm-hmm. it's gonna. But, however, strategically, and I, I wish Adam was here because Adam's really getting into uh, um, non-human forms of intelligence. He's really starting to read a lot about that. So arguably, if we encounter another species, that species will be able to read our failings and our shortcomings and our intelligence and our analytical abilities to defeat us strategically and vice versa, of course, as well. Um, but in terms of actually biologically killing another entity, you know, until you study and understand that entity, you don't, you don't know its biology. You don't know its weaknesses or its strengths. Um, so each species will be the best at killing its own. You well, know, I mean, it, it's not even limited to the species. It's almost, it's also limited. I mean, you can. Uh, I mean, it's also like domain. So it's like uh, you know, it's like in contemporary conflicts. You know, like when you take this, you know, net centric, you know, hybrid, you know, shock force geared for securing or flaking the folded gap, and you know, throwing it, you know, somewhere in the in the Middle East where where people where people fight differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's. Uh, I mean, it, it's. I mean, it. Uh, I mean, it, it, it aligns with this idea of just how, you know, 
we we the way we think of fighting is you know it's limited to the domains and uh, you know adversaries we're limited to you know right and so, so I mean yeah it ties into the point on like how or, or yeah. mass point on like how you know using a human re- weapons good against you know the the humans covenant weapons against them I mean forerunner runners against them so I mean it's it's interesting although I always prefer the yeah. human weapons because I I don't trust the the covenant manufacturing right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. I, I Made in America. Should, I think we should talk a bit about the uh, tactics and multiplayer that have evolved over time. Because yeah, um, um, right now yeah, in Halo 5, I'm actually a huge fan of the Warfront or Warzone um, option they have for playing. It looks like I'm just like I have not again. played that yet, but it looks pretty kick-ass. It's the one where... Everybody? What's that? I'm here. Are you here? I'm here. I'm here. Oh, I guess we just lost the uh, lost the screen. Someone's fine. someone's breaking out a little bit. Oh well. Anyways, you were saying you like the war zone. I'm gonna turn my video off. Yeah, yeah. Um, Matt, turn your video it's, off. It's another. Yeah, I just turned my video off. Oh, now I can get nude. All right. Yeah. <laughs> So is everything coming through clear now, or are we still... Yeah, no, we're good. I okay. think I'm good, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the Warzone option for multiplayer now, to where it's two sides against each other. There's three uh, bases to essentially capture. Uh, once you capture three bases, uh, there's a final base, some their reactor or their core. Take out their core, just shoot it, you win. But in addition to that, there's uh, AI characters that are popping in, and whichever side takes those out, you get points towards a thousand points wins, and you get one point per second, I think, um, uh, with holding those bases. And it's just a whole nut and twenty, and it's twenty-four versus twenty-four, so forty-eight people plus the AI going on in this one. And the thing. AI is fighting on a separate side, or the AI is uh, fighting with you. Oh, they're independent. They're independent, so they'll shoot everybody. And then, yeah, it's it's just brilliant how the the tactics have changed, and then as well the 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 cards now, the the requisitions that you have in there, to where you don't have to find the right spot on the map to where the the power weapons spawn. Um, essentially, if you have a, a, a requisition card for that weapon, which costs real money though, right? Well, either real money or you you earn the points. You also earn points for playing. Yeah, boo. <laughs> in game um, purchases. Yeah, uh, the microtransactions or whatever they're called. Um, it's. The, the, I, I totally enjoy the tactics now. Um, you, you know, it's not just uh, it's, sniping has become a real thing. You can actually stand across the map. People are otherwise engaged in whatever's going on locally where they're at, and you've got no problem sniping anybody. Um, you can actually employ tactics to where you go to the far side of the map. Your 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 opponents control a base, but they're focusing maybe on the middle main base that they're trying to take. You just zoom through there on a mongoose and run up in there. And uh, as long as you're able to take out the AI that are guarding that base, you could quickly, but unbeknownst to the the uh, your opponents, take over that base. Um, so it's 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 a good move by three four three in uh, revitalizing the multiplayer. That's kind of neat. Yeah, I do like the idea of there being sort of AI people to kind of mess with the game and distract you and make it maybe make it a little because because Halo's never done that very well. Battlefield. 
has allowed you to play, you know, you play like a 64-man game, and that would get pretty crazy. And and you could snipe people, and you could get lost in the in the milieu and and stuff like that. But when it comes to uh, Halo, it's always been a lot lower numbers. And you know, like even even Destiny tried that. They had a vehicle-based game, uh, you know, where you're trying to kill vehicle. And vehicle combat doesn't work when there's only 12 of you. No, that just really that's just stupid. Yeah, it is. What's what's interesting about the, the Halo combat, and a lot of it's due to the map design, but your force, like your 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 team of buds, or I mean your team, you guys are always moving. I mean, it's not like you ever just like set up a static defense, or or you know move to an objective and just hold. And a lot of the traditional you know Halo multiplayer games, I mean, it was like okay, we're gonna go to the enemy spawn. And then you get to the enemy spawn, and then now your original spawn is where the enemy's spawning. So it's, it was this constant movement, and it made things like you know just sitting up and posting, you know, posting up and just sniping, a bit more challenging because you always had to kind of watch your watch your six. So it's uh, you know it's interesting how with um, you know how you with how this uh, war zone uh, mode is kind of throwing a bone into that. Right. You know, one of the games that we should play is. Did you guys ever f- play Battlezone? <clears throat> No, I never did. So I haven't heard of it. Battlezone, since we're talking about sort of ways to kind of try to simulate <clears throat> better multiplayer vehicle combat, is uh, it was this interesting take on real-time strategy where you were fighting a real-time strategy battle, but you were a character in the field. So you would have to direct individual tanks and units to move to certain places, to guard certain places. And eventually you could gather enough resources to build a a kind of command center that you could direct the entire war from. But when Uh you start the game, you're just a guy with maybe one tank and... um, and your own rifle, like you could jump out, and you could do cool stuff, like you could snipe an enemy driver and get in his vehicle, uh, and stuff. But the whole concept was that the Cold War was a sham. It was a real war, but the Soviet Union and the United States had signed a treaty saying that they wouldn't go to war on Earth because they had found all this weird nanomaterial on Mars during uh, all of, or not Mars, but the Moon. Uh, during a bunch of missions, and they were missions that no one ever talked about because of this treaty. And so you're you're in a war with the Soviet Union on the moon, on Mars, and then eventually some aliens get involved. But it's pretty fun. Like it is, a, it's a pretty it's a pretty cool game, and it's hard too. It's hard because you start out from that point where you're fighting a a an operational level battle, but you're doing it. Um, you're you're fighting an operational battle, but you're still an individual getting shot at. Huh. Huh. That is interesting. How old is that game? Oh wow, I was playing it when I was in elementary school. Interesting. Oh, so I probably wasn't even born. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it was it was after 1986. Okay. So you know, it's not that bad. <laughs> One other aspect of the multiplayer I like to address is that there's there's no t- there's in the military you are trained and trained and trained to u- work as a team as a unit to defeat your opponents. 
in Halo 5, one thing that's happened, and one one huge critique I have of the whole social movement within, or the socialization of games, you know, uh, Xbox especially, is, uh, you know, there's no split screen in Halo 5. You can't play side-by-side on the couch with your buddy because, you know, uh, uh, 343 was had its head up its ass about getting 60 frames per sec, uh, 60 frames per second for the graphics that they ditched the split screen, um, and now you can only play online with your friends. Um, so they're trying to push to like get everybody together and socialize these games. And games are social, and there's right, you know, but they're, so- now they're missing out on the part where you would go play a four screener. Oh, I remember back in those, and we didn't have big cheap TVs, like, relatively no. cheap. We were playing these on small TVs, yeah, and so you've got four yeah. dudes, you're playing Rockets on Prisoners, and you have no idea. Ro- okay. <laughs> Every- I so feel bad. Anyone who hasn't played Halo is probably just cut out, but if you're still listening and you have never played, Ro- Prisoners is this multi-level map that's all enclosed. Um, it's it's kind of, sort of an L-shape with multiple stairwells going up a, up a high level. It's very open. <clears throat> and you just play this with Rockets, and you just yep. fire rockets at one another, and so you'd get a really high kill count, but you'd have an unspeakable death count, and right. it was just it was mayhem. But, but you'd be four it, people in the room, you'd be punching people in the face, you'd be like, "Dude, stop it!" You, <laughs> and and it was it was a fun social experience. So in the attempt, I guess I see what you're saying. In the attempt to bring more people into the social experience, they've potentially made it. They've not only made it less social, but they've also challenged their ability to get enough people in the game because if you've got you know 10 consoles of a bunch of you know high school kids or elementary school kids over each other's house at the end of the day you can get like a 40 person game going and people moving as teams and stuff like that but right you're not going to do that as much if you're sitting in your house alone and maybe you're playing with a friend who's you know in well, another city the, 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 the tactics that that you employ as a player in the game, or more analogous to, and uh, you know, our, our Air Force friends are probably going to roll their eyes at my comments here, but it's more analogous to fighter tactics, airplane fighter tactics, than it is to infantry tactics. There is no infantry tactics or strategy employed in this because there's no training that goes on. So you're essentially a fighter pilot fighting other fighters, even though you're a human being running around on the ground. The tactics you have to naturally employ are individual against individual despite being on a team of 24. Because I, when I'm playing this game, there's no communication going on. I'm sorry, 343. Nobody's talking to each other on Halo 5. There's no communication going Racist on. Racist 12-year-olds are. Yeah, that's about <laughs> it. That's all you got going on. And so, I don't know how so many people know my mom on Xbox <laughs> on, on on Xbox Live, but I'm glad she's, you know, I'm glad she's such a sociable lady and, and she's meeting, uh, you know, lots of lots of fun people. But you know, I would love to be able to get together with groups of with with a group and actually start s- developing tactics to take buildings and take rooms because this stuff only develops. It's the individual prowess of killing another person and knowing who to kill when that wins these games. It's not really like a team. You know, maybe it's different with the pro gamers and stuff like that. But I I, I don't mess around with that too much. I don't pay too much attention to the pro Halo well, we, gamers. We talked about that during our Command and Conquer podcast, which will come up since we're doing them out of order now. But, you know, I don't see what's fun about the... Pr- it's, when, when you're min-maxing, and to everybody who's listening, you know, min-maxing is when you try to, 
where you try to win something by just maximizing one certain area to like the nth degree and then just dominate with that. This whole pro gaming circuit where it's you take the gaming experience where they're trying like in the first podcast we talk about Oculus and like hey how could I use Oculus which can terrify the hell out of people with some of these horror games and videos how can I yeah. try to maybe communicate to them like what it was like at the SOM you know they won't feel it they won't you know they won't be in the mud they won't get shot at they won't smell the smells but maybe you could put a little bit of that fear into them you know and try to teach them like no shit this is this is a a two percent of what it was like um and and so you have all these games where they try to create this narrative experience or they like in battlefield like they want to put you in an environment where it's not like combat but you think it's like you know it'll trick people into thinking it's like that and you turn it into this weird algorithm in your head where you're like, it's not. I'm not in the scenery anymore. These aren't weapons. I'm not driving a Russian tank. I'm just maximizing a certain resource, or I'm I'm doing something in the game. I'm executing one maneuver over and over and over again for points. Well, the the the, the thing that Halo does uh, that I think kind of uh, prevents that sort of thinking in in winning is the sheer variety now that they have in the weapons and even the armor abilities that they have now and thankfully on um unlike this the 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 warzone uh, uh maps that they have now is the the various options that you have you know like one one strategy you can employ uh which is not is is at best a near run thing um is to take out the ai opponents um, and taking out the AI opponents, you can go ahead and get enough points to go ahead and win. Um, otherwise, What's up, loser? Uh, that's uh, <laughs> Mary Ripley just showed up. For hey, us. hey, it's a guest. It's a guest appearance by Mary Ripley on the Real Time Strategy Podcast. How are you doing, Mary? I've been strategizing. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Do you have any comments on Halo? I don't even think we've been even doing strategy. I think we're just video game nerding out at this point. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, queen of the internet. <laughs> but um, yeah. So so you know, pure optimization of a certain facet of the game has kind of been pushed aside, um, especially with now you got forty eight, what twenty four? Yeah, forty eight people all playing the same match. Um, I think they've done a good job at uh, just preventing just pure optimization of a single tactic. You know, speaking of optimization, though, we talk about how that's irritating and not not realistic. But to a certain point, you know, like A2AD, to get us back around the uh, circle to actual military and strategy stuff, you know, A2AD is a kind of min-maxing. Like, ah, screw everything else. I'm just going to pump out as many anti-ship cruise missiles as I can. And no matter what their capability is, I'll just I'll just bury it. Or, you know, like Rolling Thunder... I am just going to bomb this place. I don't care what their special capabilities are. I don't care, you know, how good they are at at being insurgents or digging into the dirt. I'm just going to cover them in so many bombs that, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Or even the Soviet uh, model of quantity has a quality all its own. I, I don't have any good tactics. I guess all of these, <laughs> all the examples I'm using are, are min-maxing a wave of something. But you know it does, I guess, kind of, it it does work in real life as as to a certain point. Oh, it uh, it yeah, it absolutely does, and that's what I'm uh, when I play the game. That's what I've got going through my mind, 
is if you have a, a, a certain level of individuals that are all just completely proficient in what they do, better than their opponents, certainly, but maybe don't employ any higher level thinking, uh, no operational level or no strategic thought. If you are just completely tactically proficient and you can kill the it's attrition warfare at its most base and simple, I guess, um, does that then inherently, is, is there an emergent property to tactical prowess to where operational level and strategic level um, uh, successes uh, develop? Uh, because that's essentially what you have here in first-person shooters playing online. You know, that's that's one of the things I think they tried to solve in a lot of these games. You'll see it in Destiny. You'll see it in the later Battlefields. Uh, is that there's an issue when they give you a few points for, for you know, for example, taking a flag or for taking a zone. You know, if it's a zone-based game where you have to take certain strategic points. Um, but people would get more points just by killing other people. And so you would have teams that have slaughtered the other enemy but lose the game, which, you know, it has its own realistic reflection in in real life, but they didn't want people to play that way. So they changed the incentives where sort of the realistic life incentive where, okay, you want to win this battle. Winning this battle will get you the most points. So they would add more points to capturing and keeping objectives. They would give you more points for defending an objective. So if you killed an enemy who was coming near an objective, it gives you extra points. And then it would give you extra points at the end for for winning the objective. Of course, in real life, there's no one around awarding points because you have successfully achieve the correct objective. You may not even know what the correct objective is for winning the battle. You may be fighting for the wrong one. But I kind of liked watching that evolution where they tried to correct. You know, it's something that I imagine they didn't even think they'd have to correct for. They said, oh, you want to win the game, of course. And people said, no, screw that. I'm going to hide in this corner and snipe people and get an awesome kill-to-death ratio. Right. And, then, and then you just have teams that had killed four to five times as many people as the other team, but lost the game. Right. Yeah, and, and nobody's trying to teach, and the game developers aren't trying to teach you an important lesson about, uh, you know, General Westmoreland. Uh, they're trying to create a good gaming experience. So, um, you know, just uh, I, I guess that's that's something something worth thinking about. Absolutely. How long have we? How long have we been doing this podcast now? I, 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 th- I think I've got I've got it up for an hour thirty, but I yes. think we had thirty minutes of us jerking around trying to figure out how to get the internet to work. Yes, yeah, I think we've hit an hour. I think we have. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. all right. Well, you guys got any closing thoughts? Wait, I think we let's close it on favorite Halo weapon or platform. I think that's 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 fair, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'll start off. I'll choose. Actually, platform and weapon. So you don't have to choose. So platform. I love the Hornet. I wish the game would give you more chances to to use it. But I think it's just a it's a sick aircraft. It's like it has the firepower of an Apache, but you can throw two guys on the side so you can carry people around. So that's my favorite platform. Weapon. I'm gonna go with the the pistol from one, just because you could kick ass with that. Well, you, you just stole mine. My my weapon was gonna be the the pistol from the first. 
With the scope, absolutely. That was a uh, voted yeah. top ten weapon all time. I forget oh, where, uh, it's, but top I think ten weapon. IGN, all time. yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. So if I had to pick another one, I got to go with the shotgun because the shotgun is what got me through the library <laughs> level in the first Halo. <laughs> that, that, that gun. That was the, one of the most eerie experiences I've ever had. It's in a, exact, It's all dark, and you're like, what the hell is going on here? And suddenly a bunch of meat puppets come out of nowhere. Yep, they've been finished um, spawning. And then vehicle-wise, uh, the Infinity. That new super uh, craft uh, in, in, that, w- that emerged in Halo 4 and Halo 5, and it carries ten of its own frigates and can deploy them. I mean, it carries just, ten of its own frigates. It carries ten, just that big. Yeah, it's that Jesus. big. It carries ten heavy frigates that it can deploy. We don't get to fly that. No, no, you. Yeah, so that's not your flame favorite no, platform. No, sure it does because it. it, it that's it, your favorite part of the narrative experience, Lucian. <laughs> okay, so okay, so one that I can use, um, uh, the tank. Uh, the, especially the first, the tank in in Halo One. Because it was <laughs> invincible. Oh, we didn't even get into that. No, there's one. Oh. More, there's, there's one more part to it. Um, in playing, in playing multiplayer, so much with my oh. buddies in college, we got bored and we would just be doing these custom games, this random stuff. And you could jump the ghost if you hit the tank at the right angle. The ghost would just fly up into the air, and you would you would be shooting. Uh, who knows how high you'd really be? But you could do all these crazy acrobatics of it. So not only <laughs> was it awesome in multiplayer to kill each other with, it also made for an awesome ramp with the ghost. So <laughs> yeah. All right, so I am going to go with the flamethrower because it may not be a crowd favorite, but I was like, thank God. I've been fighting bio-zombies for, what is it, three games now, and no one thought to make a fire gun. So just being able to go through a flood level and hose the entire place with a fire, with a fire, uh, uh, a flamethrower, I was just, it was a sense of relief. It's like, oh, this is... Well, how did nobody think we had this in Aliens? Like, guys, we had this in Aliens, and they didn't even have all this technology. Um, <laughs> and then my favorite platform, yeah, it's got to be the Scorpion tank, especially the one from one, because one of the things that gave me that strange, uh, what was it? Uh, what, what is it when? Uh, not dichotomy, but it's when um, when you feel two things at once. It's a cognitive dissonance. That's right, cognitive dissonance. Having a a brain fart there. Uh, The cognitive dissonance was, how come I have all of these indestructible, invincible vehicles, my warhog can't die, my tank can't die, and yet I keep getting my my ass handed to me by these weird, stupid aliens running around, these guys that are like waist high with their crappy plasma pistols, Uh, but I'm I'm invincible. Um, So that I, I... I, I thought that was an important. A, it was a fun weapon to use, especially in multiplayer and Blood Gulch. Yeah. Uh, but two, I think it was actually kind of important part of that narrative experience where you're you're like, I'm a super soldier. I've got these Marines and this tank. We're indestructible, but somehow we keep losing. Right. And and give you this sort of weird like, what what am I doing wrong here? Like, what is wrong with us? Yeah. <laughs> And the one last thing I'll say is my least favorite vehicle in the game so far, only because it could be so much better than it is, is the Mantis uh, mech that you get inside of. I, I, I like that. It's not that great. It's clunky. It doesn't maneuver well. 
Its rockets are slow to reload. It's hard to lock on with them. It's easy for the uh, for opponents to jump on your vehicle and just. It is way it. more it is, maneuverable than a scorpion tank. It is, but it could still be better and should be better. Well, everything can be better. That's like, like oh, I don't like this because it's not invincible and perfect. Like, seems like mechs kind of are slow in every single game. Like Metal Gear Solid. I mean, they kind of. I thought I think they kind of suck in Metal Gear Solid, but. I mean, are mechs like actually? I don't know. Another episode. Well, this isn't Japan. We don't we don't think of robots. We don't think of Gundam when we think of robots. True. <laughs> like yeah. you know, robots that are faster than people. Yeah. Although there is RoboCop. RoboCop. Well, that was a Japanese robot too. And what is it? RoboCop Three. Yeah. This is the one where he fights the samurai. Yep. We can probably have we can probably have a cop uh, a podcast about the RoboCop series. <laughs> That'd be pretty awesome. I, I I never understood that the the first RoboCop like eventually when OCP starts to look way more evil like I kind of got it I was like okay you're sort of putting it right on the nose you're having things happen where you indicate to me these are evil people but generally speaking they're like hey we're gonna give you a house and a job and everyone's like no. I like living in my Mad Max apocalypse. <laughs> You're like, um, I don't think any of these characters are realistic. Like, OCP is like, yeah, a guy just got murdered by a robot in our boardroom. No big deal. And you're like, well, I don't believe that. Then someone says, hey, you got to get out of this apartment. We're going to build you a new apartment building. He's like, no, screw that. I like this busted-ass building. You're like, I don't think any of you... This doesn't make any sense at all. But thankfully, we have super soldiers like Master Chief to uh, to lean on for slightly better narrative experiences. That's right. The hero of the galaxy is an enlisted sailor. I just like to throw that out there. I'm just saying. Yeah. Was how did that come to be? I guess <laughs> we're not ending this podcast yet. So I didn't know any of the origin story, but we've got space marines everywhere. In the real Navy, we don't exactly have, like, oh, hey, I'm combat, Master Chief. Like, okay, maybe Navy SEALs. I, I, is he a Navy SEAL? That's that's probably, I mean, who knows? The I never Navy thought of that. It's Master, he's a Master Chief Navy SEAL. That would make so much sense. But they never talk about Navy <laughs> SEALs in the damn game. He's just, well, the only thing I can imagine, this is 600, 500 years in the future, so we've kept the same Navy convention, the same words... But yeah, who knows how we attribute rank to status and all that kind of stuff changes in the future. Because they also call him Sir, and you know. Well, that's because they saved the galaxy like four times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and but he still calls he still calls Officer Sir, but everyone else calls him Sir because he single-handedly like wiped out entire enemy installations. You call yeah. a dude like that Sir. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess wow, yeah. that's you know, it's it's interesting you brought that up. I never thought about that. He's always this ma- vague master chief. You never know what his rate is. <laughs> he's he's like, I'm just a master chief. And they're like, well, what did you do when you were a second class petty officer? Yeah. Well, I was well he made, there's no combat. There's no combat pay for operations in the reach. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Saying, hey guys, am I getting cola out here? Like, what's up? I wonder what his BAH is like. Yeah, where does he live? Does he have a house? Yeah, that's it. all these weird yeah. questions about Master Chief we haven't asked. Like, do you have if, – if, 
If you could ask Master Chief any question, one of the questions, do you have a house? <laughs> like, where do you live? Yeah. <laughs> what do you do when you're not saving yeah, the galaxy? Like, what do you... Like what? Like what's up with right. that? Are you able to take a like a Just shower? Back or are you a robot to, to now? Hang out there. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's true. I mean, okay. So here's what I. Oh well, no, there's a problem then. Okay. So BAH <laughs> is the the housing allowance that the Navy gives people to live in different areas. So if you live in San Diego, it's higher. If you live in Norfolk, it's lower. It's all based on cost of living. So can't believe we're podcasting about BAH. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, listen, we're we're supposed to vaguely connect this to military and strategy. Um. So so much for ending this podcast. Um, so what I what I fir- my first thought was perfect. Stay in cryogenic cryogenic uh, cryogenic stasis. Collect all the BAH. You're not spending any of it on food. But he's on the ship, so he doesn't get BAH because he's living on the ship. Great, he's a geo bachelor. Oh, no, it's I mean it's still he's still not paying for food. How much does he get paid? Oh, there's another question. How much does Master Chief? Right. What is his rate? How much does he get paid? Where does he you know, live? You know, another question. Another question is, is you know, in it's 2023 or whatever. I mean, has Tricare reform happened yet? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, he gets all this stuff done to him, and it doesn't seem like anybody's sending any bills to anybody. Yeah, what about his travel claim coming back from, like, Onyx and all these other planets? Like, who is he going to see to fill out his travel claim? Well, on wasn't that? there yeah. – uh, Buzz, Buzz Aldrin did a travel claim for the moon, right? Yeah, yeah, they all had to do travel claims for going to the moon. it was like, uh, rocket, uh, <laughs> went to moon, <laughs> came back from moon, got in my car. So it was like but, – but they did get reimbursed, didn't they? They got reimbursed for the gasoline that it took to get to work. Yes. Because I guess that is Oconus. Like, uh, did they get Oconus orders to the moon? It had to. Like, it's TAD. Yeah. TAD orders to the moon. That'd be awesome. Oh, my God. I wonder if astronauts, military, I got, we got to, oh, that's another one. Go find ourselves an astronaut and be like, listen, when you go out in space, <laughs> do you get official orders and is there a travel claim? <laughs> Right. <laughs> do you bring your government travel card, and do you have to pay for the food on the station? Actually, Neil Armstrong posted his like one of his reimbursement uh, things. I, I'm yeah. looking. I'm looking it up. Yeah, I think they do. Was it, was it Neil Armstrong or was it Buzz Aldrin? I I don't remember which one. Who the one is that did his little you know drove to base, got on rocket, went to moon, came back, got back in car, <laughs> went home. I don't know. That's. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, no, it's Buzz Aldrin's travel expenses for the moon mission, $33. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. How much gas was that? I mean, yeah. I, I mean, based on inflation, that was, uh, that's not a, that's probably several hundred dollars. What, right? Right. Let's see what he put on here. I, I can't see. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Yeah, okay, here's, here's the living nightmare. Master Chief hasn't filed his travel claim yet because it's not done <laughs> since the first ring <laughs> it's like all right over the past 15 years of tad yeah. <laughs> list every single one of your expenses and all the medical expenses too because he's constantly uh yeah. we were talking about boarding parties yeah. and like all your immediate stops yeah. yeah we were talking about boarding parties and all of the sort of the unique unique tactics 
one of the uh, the Space Navy's most effective tactics seems to be just dropping Master Chief onto a ship and he just murders everybody and blows <laughs> it up. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. What, I wonder what the acquisition process is like. Uh, oh, good term. lord! Yeah, there's all sorts of questions. Oh. See, no, no new system. I mean, no new systems or platforms are really developed. I mean, okay, so like- so next time we do one of these podcasts, this is where we gotta go. <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. this is the dark underbelly. <laughs> this is the dark underbelly that real time strategy is meant to face. What is the acquisitions process and travel claim process for Master Chief for well, UNSC craft? Well, they, they they talked about that. With the building of the Infinity, they tried to keep it a secret budget within ONI, within the Office of Naval Intelligence. But the damn thing cost so much that it started sucking up the entire fleet's budget for shipbuilding. It's kind of like the uh, SSBNX, how they're going to pay for that. The hats of money and where it came from and stuff. From the secret Naval Intelligence budget? I don't know know that the ID community would be really happy about that one. Yeah, and they're like, you want to pay for what with our budget? Right, right. So, man, but I kind of got to bounce here, guys. All right, well, I guess uh, there's a new Mass Effect trailer that just came out today because of NS7 Day. Really? Oh, cool. Yeah, is it an apology? (laughs) Yeah, it's like the BP. We're sorry. Oh wow, this is awesome. It's like rockets going to space. Yeah, well, unless it's an apology that says, hey, we finally agreed that we are going to undo ma- ma- the ending to Matt. Oh, All they need is they we need one little DL. I'm posting this in the channel. This looks awesome. They, awesome. they need one DL that just says, we're sorry. This is no longer the end. That was dumb. We built an entire game series. Based on you being able to make choices, and now we've taken all those choices away from you and made the ending <laughs> inevitable. Well, I had a bunch of friends tell me I played Mass Effect One. I loved it, and then I didn't play two, and I didn't play three, and I was two about was the to, best. and oh I was my, about yeah. to buy two. Three was the best. After three came out, I said, "Oh, you know what? I should be. I should play through this." Until I heard what the ending was, and I said, "You know what? Screw it. I'm not buying two. I'm not buying three. I'm not going to go all through this so you can." force feed me into this stupid ending with like you know oh man no matter what you do the same freaking thing happens except with a different color oh you got the blue ending where everything explodes and it's blue or the red ending where everything explodes and it's red it's, yeah, it's much better than that as we'll discover on a, in a future episode dedicated to the seven. oh here it is are we listening to it <laughs> Yeah, I've got my volume way up. Okay. We are travelers. Constantly moving forward. Sorry, we betrayed you. You are an explorer now. Of other games. 
to Mass Effect. Between Red City and me. And know that wherever you go, we will be with you. This is Commander Shepard, signing off. What? What? What was that? Whoa! Female Shep? Wait, what? that's... Oh, you're going to have Shepherd. a... Yeah, Wait, so well, Shepard. Yeah, that's... Yeah, there was always yeah. a... There was always Shepard died. Yeah. But he's... Uh, listen, okay. He Whoa. slash she, whichever <laughs> Shepard you go with, the default she, uh, female right. Shepard or the default uh, male Shepard, uh, they are dead. Uh, so until I see the freaking uh, DL content, um, Guys, this is what? You, you couldn't see... I don't know if you watched the video yet, but they showed a Citadel-like ship uh, outside the galaxy. So... Is that yeah. a, that that almost looks like the oh shit wow yeah well I guess they we can have this back. This is awesome. I uh, guess yeah. well of course they did well because it's a profitable franchise and they realized I gotta that figure some, out how to get my safe files back. They they realized <laughs> that some hokey loser was like hey guys what if we had a really existential ending where like no matter what you chose like it was like the same whoa. And they were like, whoa, that's so cool and artistic, man. And then everyone else was like, no, that's fucking stupid. Wow, I should probably delete that. I, I, that's my first F-bomb this podcast. I think it should probably... It went hour and 35 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hour and 45 minutes into it, I dropped my first F-bomb. Uh, you can probably bleep that out. Ooh, yeah, we can bleep. Oh, think... man, that would be fun. Bleeping stuff out is... Oh, we. It's you, you know, You're editing this one. Oh, you're editing this one. No, this is, this is your trial by fire, story. son. This is your trial by fire. Yeah. You want to pick up I, the I gauntlet? Got you got to start. The kid comes out tomorrow. <laughs> this is listen. If you wanna <laughs> if you wanna get in this league, son, you need to start at the bottom. Okay, I was doing this before I even knew how to amplify audio tracks, and it all sounded like we were talking inside of a tin can. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we should call it. I think yeah, I think we're calling yeah. it. Well, thanks for listening, if you're still with us, uh, which you're probably not, but... Uh, you get an achievement. <laughs> you get an achievement. <laughs> yeah, you've just, you've just got the uh, Xbox achievement listening to this entire ridiculous podcast. Um, oh. And uh, we appreciate your listenership, and hopefully if you uh, enjoyed what you heard today, or at least you're not too irritated by it, and uh, you know, if I happen to find some sort of friendly charity in your heart... Uh, let your friends know. You know, this is a new project by uh, C, uh, by Simsec, along with our Sea Control podcast. If you haven't listened to Sea Control, do give that a listen. Look it up on iTunes. Uh, and if you like what we're doing here, yeah, let your friends know. Go to the website, sign up for membership and all that good stuff. But uh, until next month, I have no catchphrase. Does anybody have a catchphrase? So next episode, we're going to find out what TriCare looks like in 203050 or whatever. Yeah, what are we going to talk about? Is, is the next episode is uh, Battlefront, isn't it? It's Star Wars. Laser. Right. Yeah, Star Wars. Okay, stuff. so we need to capture some of this this gold, you know, get into the nitty gritty on procurement. Because, good lord, how do you keep the Death Star a secret at all? There's a question. Like, there you've okay. literally got a planet's worth of contractors on the damn thing. But uh, again, a topic for a uh, a different time, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure. Indeed. Y'all have a great week. All right. Yep. Talk to you later. Bye. Yeah. <laughs>